the mic was delayed and your clapping was delayed. Look at that. We're already in sync, having a great time, flowing together, just relationally. Going to be a great Sunday. Come on, Expansion Sunday. Excited to be in church. Hey, Messenger uh, International, uh, John and Lisa Bevere. Uh, it's amazing what we get to do with them all throughout the world. 60 million books, but the app that we've been developing and that you and I, if you give here, have been giving to over the last few years is one of the most uh, state-of-the-art, technologically advanced apps in the world. It's actually the most downloaded app in like over 50 languages. And so we are investing, and what's amazing, reaching these millions of people with the message and discipleship message. They're getting an Old Testament and a New Testament uh, access through the app and through all the resources. Anytime somebody gets a book, they get a free login. And so there's so many different things that are happening with the gospel through Messenger International. And that is one of our primary partners this year with our expansion offering, along with Equip and John Maxwell that we talked about, World Compassion, as we continue to uh, deliver, really smuggle in Bibles to Iran, seeing thousands of people uh, be saved. The four water wells, uh, they're taking care of our, our co-op, the new ones in Uganda. So those are some of the uh, priorities for this year's expansion offering as well as beginning to save for our schools that, uh, that we're trying to, to start, uh, preschools and, and uh, full K through 12 eventually is the vision, and then uh, building and land for Oviedo. And so really excited about what's gonna happen on the other side of our expansion offering uh, this, uh, this Sunday and throughout the rest of December. What is expansion offering? It happens once a year, we expand our ability to reach and connect. And we ask everybody that calls our church home to seek God and ask what they would be a part of in the next year. What we've been able to do together is incredible, but I believe God is, is just getting started. And uh, I have a word for you today. Come on, we're wrapping up the marathon that has been the Uncommon series. Uh, I remember when I was growing up in my small little Baptist church, my pastor, we stayed in the book of Acts for like three years on Sunday nights. I was like, God, I love church and I love Jesus, but I hate this series after about three years. And so you're fine. It's only been about three months. It's our last one. And I saved, I think, this makes sense for it to be the last one because we've talked about uncommon grace and uncommon unity, uncommon purity, uncommon hospitality, uncommon faith. And last week, uncommon in our boldness, in our, in our discipline. Today, I wanna close out the series with a, a topic that's perfect for the end of an uncommon series because I wanna ask you what it's gonna look like at the end of your life. I want to talk about today, uncommon legacy. Uncommon legacy that you and I have been, been given a great commission to go into the world and, and preach the gospel, baptizing and making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and of the, the Holy Spirit. And that is our job. That is our legacy, to love God and to live a life loving others well so they have a chance to meet him. But if we're not careful, we'll drift from that common mission. Have you ever gotten somewhere, uh, showed up somewhere, arrived somewhere, you're driving? Uh, this is for the adults in the room, 16 or over, unless you're driving illegally. Have you ever gotten somewhere and forgotten like how you got there? Like you just were in like this trance, you just were zoned out and like you pull into your driveway or you pull into your office or your friend's house and you have that moment and you don't remember one turn, you don't remember like I just... I just arrived here. I wasn't texting, I wasn't drinking and driving. I just completely just, mind just drifted to the middle of nowhere and I just showed up. Have you ever been in the middle of a thought? Come on, is nobody like me, a little ADD where you're talking and then somebody gets you distracted and you just lose your train of thought. You're talking in the middle of a story, in the middle of a joke, in the middle of saying something important. You're like, yep, lost it. Have no idea 
what I was talking about. If you're like me, you blame the person. Like I'll blame Gabby. You interrupted me. I had a thought. You interrupted my thoughts. No, my mind just drifted. Have you ever, you ever walked into a room? Come on, please tell me it's not just me. You've walked into a room and you're like, I don't know what I was looking for. I had a reason for this excursion, but I no longer can remember it and just look around thinking, I was here, I was here for something. Just forgot, got lost, just just drifted. It's actually a a term, an organizational term, but I believe it can be a spiritual term and, and even a personal term for us this morning. And it's the idea of mission drift, that we would just kind of slightly drift off of our mission. The famous quote, when we lose our why, we lose our, our way. When we lose our why, we lose our way, and we, we begin to, to drift. That what was very important, maybe weeks ago, months ago, starting in our journey, in our, in our marriage, in our relationships, in our business, in our schooling, more importantly, in the kingdom of God, in our purpose, that we started out knowing right and wrong. We started out knowing what our life should be about. We started out with the right priorities. We walked into the room with a purpose, but somewhere along the way, we forgot why we're here. We're no longer serving in the purpose. We've settled for a common life instead of leaving and living an uncommon legacy. We're all gonna die one day, and we're all gonna spend eternity somewhere. How we live in this life, church, it matters. People all around us are spending eternity somewhere and God has placed us in this time, in this place to be able to make a difference. What has caused us to drift? What has caused us to lose focus? What has caused us to no longer make the main thing the main thing? was reading about the Titanic this week and talking to one of my pastor friends about it. And you all know the story, 1912, one years ago, 111 years ago. It's quick math right there, you saw that? Yeah, said it wrong, got it right. Yeah, calculator. Can we just pause for a second? And I'm sorry to any of the kids in here, I'm sorry to the parents, kids, you're welcome. Anybody remember math teachers all through high school and college saying, well, you have to do this in your head and show your work because you're not gonna have a calculator with you at all times. God, boy, did they miss it. <laughs> Wrong. I actually have one and a computer. So I don't even need school. I have Google and a calculator. I'm good to go. <laughs> on the Titanic, you know, there was a couple thousand people on there, but it was unsinkable, right? It was all the rave. It was all the, the news. that The unsinkable ship, it had all the different components and compartments to, to take on water, and they hit the iceberg. And there were only 20 lifeboats on board, and 20 lifeboats would have been about half of the people on board. And what's crazy is some of the boats weren't even launched because the officers had been told and believed the ship was unsinkable. So the Titanic actually sunk not only with not enough lifeboats, but with lifeboats still on board. What's crazy is there's 65 seats in every lifeboat. And studies would show the average amount of people per lifeboat picked up in the survivors was 28, which means there was 37 empty seats on the average lifeboat. Which means that when they got in the boat and the ship sank, 
There weren't very many boats that were circling the waters, picking up survivors. They were rowing in the opposite direction to save themselves. A lifeboat's whole purpose is to save the lives of those that are drowning, to rescue. The people on that boat had an opportunity to do something uncommon and instead of rowing away, to row back. And I just wanna ask you today, I get this is not the dire scene that I'm painting from 111 years ago, but what in your life has caused you to row away from the purpose of God and the things of God and the kingdom of God? What has caused you to run from the very people that you are called to reach and to connect? I think it's because oftentimes when we get out of it, track with me, we're saved. And once we get saved, just like the people on the Titanic lifeboats, we tend to get a little bit selfish. I'm good, I'm safe, I'm secure. And we drift from the mission that God has given us, which is to go into the world and preach Jesus and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a clear mission, and I wanna just make sure we're not drifting from it. Our mission is to reach people, all people. Uh, our mission is to help save people, not that we save them, that's only Jesus, but we can make the introduction. We can invite them onto the boat. We can throw them the life preserver. We can give them a line of help. And oftentimes we don't because it's uncomfortable. We don't because it would take a decision. We don't because it would take a risk. We don't because it would be tough. God's not just calling us to leave a legacy with people that look like us and think like us and talk like us. He's not just calling us to leave a legacy and to love others well. He doesn't say go into the world and make disciples of the people that you like, of the people that like you. It says just go. And that's gonna be uncomfortable. That's gonna be challenging. We talk about all the time at Action Church that salvation is a free gift from God, but discipleship, what we're called to do, could cost you, it could cost you everything. Jesus was the perfect model of living and leaving an uncommon legacy because his life was all about people. And I wanna follow a story today to make sure that our focus is still on those that need to be saved, those that are lost. So we go to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter nine, and we're gonna go there just starting in verse nine this idea of uncommon legacy. Before I read verse nine, I wanna ask you a couple of things. Do you know what uncommon legacy is? Write this down if you're taking notes. It's where my life lives on after me. Write this question down. What will you do that outlives you? What will you do that outlives you? What will people remember when you are gone? What about my life will outlive me? And I want to submit to you that it's not what you have or what you accumulate, it's who you invest in. That uncommon legacy is the legacy of the disciples in which we raise up. Our kids, our grandkids, our small group members, who, who are we investing in? Because what will live on long past you is the investment that you made into somebody, into somebody else. Jesus did this in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up 
and he followed him. Jesus invited him from what he was doing to what Jesus was doing, and that was making disciples. If you don't know this, tax collectors would have been hated. They would have been just judged. They would have been cast out because they were Jewish men who had partnered with Rome to now tax the Jewish people. And in that, they would often tax them more than was due so that they could keep it for themselves. They would have been very wealthy, but they would have had very little friends. They would have been kind of in a camp or in a sect of the community on their own. And I really believe this story is important because Jesus is showing us here that he comes to love even the unlovable. Living and leaving an uncommon legacy means loving people and serving people that nobody else is willing to love and to serve. It's not just taking care and investing in things that you and I see the benefit for. We're, we're so, uh, so investment-minded, especially in our culture, our American culture. What do I get out of it? And I'm telling you, uncommon legacy is not so much asking what you get out of it, it's what you can give to it. God, it's been quiet both services. I just feel like it's just tense. Why? Because it's not, it's counterintuitive. We like safe. We like our Jesus to fit where we put him. We like our relationship with God to be on Sundays and on Tuesdays at small group, and then we get to do whatever else that we want throughout the rest of the week. An uncommon legacy is a life fully surrendered to Jesus, a life that says, I'm not gonna row away, I'm gonna row too. There are too many Christians and too many churches that have allowed the last couple of seasons to shrink back into security and into safety. And you will never live a life of uncommon legacy if you row away from all of the scary things, if you row away from all of the danger. There are times where you say, no, this is my time and my purpose, Jesus sought out a tax collector, knowing that it would make the religious people mad. We see this continue in chapter nine, verses 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. It's amazing that when you walk in, if you will just go be a light in a dark place, it's amazing how much that will attract others to do it. Jesus, there wasn't a sermon being taught. There wasn't a theology lesson. He's just hanging out with sinners. Why? Because he knows that relationship is gonna come before there's that surrender. There's gonna be a connection, and then he's gonna have the relationship with him. It's how we should live our life. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does the teacher eat? with tax collectors and sinners because they need him. So many times we, we, we judge, we correct, and we dismiss, but Jesus went to the need. He went to the problem. He rode toward the danger. If you want hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. Come on, but it's the sick. Tell us the, Pharisees, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but, but sinners. And I, I want you to know that this message is, is for our Action Church family. It is expansion Sunday and expansion season. And we're calling us to live an uncommon legacy. But if you are in here today and you don't know Jesus, you may think that you're too far gone. I'm telling you, all throughout the New Testament, we see stories like the woman at the well, and we see stories like Matthew. We see stories like Zacchaeus. We see stories of people that had made mistakes with 
their own personal lives. They had made mistakes in their professional lives. They had disqualified themselves even from being accepted in society, but Jesus accepts them. I need you to know today that your uncommon legacy could start, but it has to start with a relationship with Jesus. I'm calling us to live our life like Jesus, but I know that there's some Matthews in this room that need to take the first step today. And your first step into an uncommon life is a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus, talking to the Pharisees, talking to the religious people, talking to the, the, the churchgoers, says, go and learn what this means. That is our mercy, not sacrifice. What does that mean? The original word is the word hasid, which means acts of loving and kindness. What does mercy mean? Loving and kindness, grace, generosity, and hospitality. That that original word, I, I desire your love for me and your love for others more than I desire your attendance, more than I desire your, your sacrifice, more than I desire your, your service. I want you, I want your heart, and out of your heart comes kindness and compassion and generosity. That's, that's really what this whole weekend and month is with our expansion. It is an overflow of who we are. You give to things that you love. And if we say we love the kingdom of God, if we love seeing people change their eternal destination, then we give to it. It's an uncommon legacy. Me and Pastor Eddie are in. Everybody else says, no, I got it. God, you were just looking up the word Hasid from the original language. That's why you were distracted. I get it, I get it. There's a bunch of Bible nerds here at the 1030. Love it. Jesus goes on to say in verse 13, the last verse, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. That that is, that is our objective. That is our goal. Everything, everything that we do, church, after we meet Jesus should be through the filter that, the rest of our life, the rest of our time should be creating moments for people to have that same encounter. Pastor, that's too radical and that's too simple. No, that is the great commandment. That is the great commission to go. How do we go? It's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength and love others as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is what we do as Christians. How we do it is in different flows, in different lanes and different seasons and different settings. Some of you are called to, to go into your workplace. Some of you are called to go into your school. Some of you are called to go into your family. Wherever God has you right now, that is your calling. I hear so many people, what am I called to? While you're waiting to find your calling, just spend your time fulfilling the commandment and the commission that you've been given, which is to love others as you love yourself. And if you've received something amazing, you don't hold it to yourself. Is it as simple as that it is? Go into the world and preach the gospel. Preach with your life. Preach with your words. Preach with how you love people. I'm gonna give you three things that we need to share intentionally before we worship God with our, with our giving at the close of service today. Three things we need to share intentionally. How many of you know sharing's not natural? How many of you think sharing is natural? If you do, I wanna offer you action steps this afternoon, a blue t-shirt, and go back into action, kids. <laughs> Sharing is not natural. And like I always say, make sure you hug an action church kids team member today, because you don't even like your kids. <laughs> love them, but love to break from them too. You're not gonna go back in the purple room and see a little one and a half, two, two and a half year old saying share. Share? Share? No. I want to ask you a question. How many of us adults in this room live a life of intentionally sharing? 
No, we say mine, just like that three-year-old. Now, we don't say it the same way, but we say it with our habits. We say it with our decisions. We say it with our priorities. And I'm here to tell you today, you cannot live a life of uncommon legacy, something that will outlive you unless you share intentionally. Three things we need to share intentionally. I will intentionally share my resources. I will intentionally share my resources. The life of a Christian should be marked by generosity. It says this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter nine, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We are called to be generous. And that is to the local church. That is to the things of God. But I wanna take you even a step further. We're called to be generous just as Christians. When people need help, we should ask, how can I help? Pastor Josh did an amazing job last week. And if you were here, you probably remember this uh, part of the message because Gavin and I talked about it all week. When somebody says, I'm gonna be praying for you, we need to stop sending prayer emojis <laughs> and actually call them and, and pray for them. Because we should be praying. Prayer is a foundation. Prayer is a first response, not a last resort. We are a praying church, but sometimes after we're praying, it's, it, we're, we're waiting for God to answer. And, and oftentimes as Christians with a, an idea or a, a, a foundation of I will intentionally share my resources. We're not just called to pray for them. We're actually the answer to the prayer that we're praying. Like we have it. God, I wish you'd show up for me. He's like, I, I did show, I sent you. <laughs> Got a friend and they come to you. My iPad broke and it's for school and I need it for my education. You're like, man, I'll be praying that God will provide. And you're sitting there with two iPads. You got an extra one. And yet we live our life, say, I got what I need and I'm gonna row the other way. No, I'll intentionally share my resources. The second thing, I'll intentionally share my time and my talents. I will intentionally share my time and my talents. Matthew chapter 20, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, your life will never make sense until you're a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Left to ourselves, we'll always make it about ourselves. And I'm just challenging you to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of your routine and make a difference in the life of other people. We have to intentionally share our time and our talents to love people. We have to, we have to use what God has put in front of us. If we got a lifeboat and an oar, then we got everything we need to see people saved. If you've got a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life, of setting you free from your sin and your shame, then you have all the tools that you need to invest in other people. Just challenge you. If it's not here, find somewhere where you can, but you need to be serving. You need to be leading small groups. If you have been saved or a disciple and you've got something to offer, if God's done anything in your life, you should spend the rest of your life intentionally investing and sharing that with other people with our resources, with our time, with our talent. Here's the last one, very simply. You must, we must intentionally share Jesus. That's too simple. No, it's not. That's our whole job. If we have an answer to the world's problem, 
which is their lost dying and spending eternity apart from God. And we don't share the answer. We don't share the solution. How do we even call ourselves Christians? I will share Jesus. Luke 14 says, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. There are people that are close to you that are far from God and God has put you in their life to be a bridge into a relationship with Jesus. It could be as simple as inviting them to an Action Church Christmas. It could be as simple as inviting them over during the holiday season and sharing a meal and praying for them and investing in them. But I'm just believing coming off of last week, uncommon boldness, and this week, us hearing that our only job is to love God and to love other people, that God is gonna give you an opportunity to actually share Jesus with somebody. Not just invite them, although it's a great first step. Not just love them where they are, it's a great first step. But he's actually gonna give you an opportunity to share your story, to share your testimony, to share what God has done in your life because people are lost and dying and going to hell. I wanna close with the Titanic. If you've read anything about the Titanic, you know that there were three classes of people on that boat. And it was some of the best settings, the best suites, the best restaurants for the first class. And it was pretty much awful, like servants quarters for the third class. And I, I believe God gave me this picture because I believe too many of us have settled for a three class type of life, a three class type of filter. See, three class Christians, three class people define themselves by what they have. I want to submit to you this morning, there's only, in the kingdom of God, there's only two classes. And a two-class system is not what you have, it's about what you can offer and give. See, when the Titanic sank, three classes went to two classes real quick. Poor, middle-class, wealthy went to saved, are lost. Three classes to two. There's a pastor on board the Titanic, true story, named John Harper. John Harper was 39 years old, same age as me. He was traveling on Titanic to come preach at the Moody Institute, Moody's Church, pastor's own church in London. He was a widower, a six-year-old daughter and a niece coming to preach in America. When the iceberg hit, Titanic, and they collided. He did what any good dad would do. He found the first boat that he could, women and children only. And he put his daughter and his niece on the boat. What's crazy about John Harper is he didn't just sit and sulk that he didn't have a spot on the boat. He didn't go to the bar and get a bottle of alcohol. No, 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 he just, stories say he went around the boat saying women and children only. Women and children and anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Said he started leading hymns and he started going to dozens of people asking them, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? In the most chaotic scene you can imagine, in, the, in a time where self-preservation would have made sense, he took off the filter of this is about me and he realized that this may be people's last moment to hear the only important message that we actually have to offer and that is without a relationship with Jesus, you will be lost forever. You may lose your life on this boat tonight, but if you don't get it right with Jesus, you're lost for eternity. Do you know Jesus? He said he went around leading worship, 
shouting out and preaching the gospel. The ship sank, obviously, and it's right before it sunk. As the boat lurched into the water, he jumped off and there are documented stories of John Harper swimming around to different people freezing to death and asking them in the water, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? As boats were drifting and rowing away, he was running to the need. There's a story from a man and it's the last person that John Harper ever talked to. Went up to this man in the freezing cold waters and said, do you know Jesus? He said, no. He said, do you want to? He said, not really. John Harper said, well, you need this more than I do. So he took off his life preserver. He gave it to him. And in the next couple moments, his hypothermia began to set in. He drifted beneath the waters and died. The men watched him die. Four years later, the survivors of the Titanic are getting together. And this man who'd been given out what he called John Harper's last conversion gospel tracts was in the room. And he shared the story as he watched John die so that he could live. He said, anybody that would give up their life for me because of what they believe in, what they believe in has to be real. And he was the last convert of John Harper. Gave his life so that somebody else could be saved. Pastor, that's radical. That is radical. Let's be honest, we, we may not give up a life preserver so somebody else could live. I pray that I would have that faith, but if I be honest with you, maybe I don't. Seriously. So I'm not asking you to give up your life. I'm just asking you to grab an oar in a boat and row back and help somebody. To say, I'm not gonna settle for safe, comfy, secure Christianity, which by the way is no Christianity. Go into all the world. It doesn't say shrink back into your world. It doesn't say to live a life of self-preservation. It says to live a life surrendered to the call of God and willing to do whatever he calls us to do to fulfill his commandment, his commission. Let's be a church of uncommon legacy that pursues a two-class lifestyle, that we thank God that we're in the saved and we spend the rest of our life rowing back into the chaos, into people's lives that are sinking and offering them the hope that only comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wanna pray for you in every location today, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. God, we praise you as we thank you. Church, nobody looking around. Just a moment between you and God. We've talked around it, but Jesus lived a perfect life, the perfect son of God, because you could not. He died a sinner's death in your place, in my place. What we deserve, he took. The cross gives us access to grace, salvation, mercy, forgiveness. His resurrection from the dead gives us access to power over sin in the grave. We are one heartfelt decision of surrender. Romans says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. The word Lord is important because it gives him control. If you wanna give him control of your life today, that, that is the, the start of any of these uncommon series, topics, 
How do I live an uncommon life, pastor? How do I leave an uncommon legacy? How do I have uncommon boldness or grace? It starts with a foundation and a relationship with Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today here at Winter Park in San Fernando. If that's you, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life for the first time or today, maybe are recommitting your life, you wanna restart. And say, God, I'm putting you at the center. You as the foundation. If that's you and you wanna be counted in, in this prayer, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to lead you through a moment of surrender. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm giving him complete access and control. Jesus, have your way in my life. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's awesome. Starting an uncommon legacy by allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I do confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. And God, I give you that place, complete and total control. Have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen. And amen, church. Can we celebrate the dozens of hands?